Uh, Andy, yes. I totally forgot to adjust that thing on my desk. Can you can you use your powers to do it? No, did you idiot? Don't use your powers. But like, can you can you use your powers to do that for me, please? Dad never talked to me like this. Look, I just want the best for us. Whatever. You never give me anything that I want. I want Choco Crisps. Just come on. Just use your powers a little bit, and I'll give you a Choco Crisp. All right. You fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we're just going to start this podcast. Fine. There you go. There's our skip. Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutterman. I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we are joined by special guests Daniel Otten. Hello. And Janelle Vickers. Hey guys. And today we're going to be talking about Life is Strange 2, which was released. And this is hard to believe for me because it took so long for the whole thing to come out. Uh, but in September of 2018, uh, and was published and developed by Don't Not Entertainment and Feral Interactive. Yeah. And Square published Enix by Square well. Enix, yeah. yeah. Uh, this game has been kind of sort of out for a while, uh, but I, the last episode just released uh, at the very end of last year. Uh, so we have now played it and are going to be talking about it. If you are unfamiliar with the Life is Strange franchise, it is like a telltale style adventure game series uh in which you make dialogue decisions to drive the plot branching narrative etc 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 uh and i gotta say uh over like like we talked about life is strange it's one of our earliest episodes Mm -hmm. uh that we did and every day zero over Yes. (laughs) Yes. The... <laughs> Dan with that no clip trivia. He does have it. No uh, clip super fan slash guest. The historian. He's the only one. Dan, the historian. <laughs> he, he proofread our podcast. <laughs> he liked it. He liked it. <laughs> uh, but I think over the years, like I feel like the don't nod formula for these adventure games has really resonated a lot more with me than Telltale's version. And I don't really know what it is about that that makes it true like about these games in specific um but they do and i was therefore looking forward pretty heavily to this game as it was releasing knowing that i wouldn't have the patience or constitution or wherewithal not to like die inside waiting for the each episode to come out and so the hype built up inside of me and then ultimately, I didn't Di- love this game. There. <laughs> it died there, like a flower, uh, deprived like of a... nutrients. <laughs> so, uh, what did you guys think? We well, I mean, we came off pretty high on the original Life is Strange. Like, yeah. we enjoyed playing it as a group. We enjoyed kind of discussing the branching endings, and I mean, I think based on my limited time being on the podcast, I've talked quite a lot about how, for me, video games function as a form of escapism, where you want to imagine yourself in this situation, or, you know, it's an RPG, what would you do in this situation? How would making this change have affected something else? Um, 
And so I think that's why I was very much let down by Life is Strange 2, because it was an environment and a story and a situation that I did not want to be in. <laughs> and it's really hard to want to play a game, at least for me personally, um, where I had such a visceral hatred and distaste for putting myself into that environment. Um, so overall, it I would say it was not necessarily as much of an enjoyable um, engrossing experience as the first. Yeah, we our journey of playing this game was like, we played the first episode, mm-hmm. and then Janelle was like, that bummed me out so hard that we <laughs> took like a three-week break. <laughs> and then I was like, we have to play, we either have to play this game or tell them we aren't going to do the podcast. Uh, and so we would schedule like, all right, we're going to play one episode now. And then afterward, we'll like reward ourselves with like a Miyazaki movie or something fun. Um, which, which, is... which is probably coming off like, like I didn't hate this game. And obviously we're going to get into all the details of it. But like, I really did admire Life is Strange 1 a lot. I think it's a really... It's a really fun game and a very cool, like, artistic experience. And so, like, I admire the creators of that game and, like, wanted to like this game a lot. And it's obvious that a lot of care and effort went into it. And in a lot of ways, it's not, like... Like, there are a lot of qualities about it that are good. It's, like, it's a very beautiful game, visually. Um, So, like, I don't want to just, like, trash it. (laughs) Um... But if this wasn't, like, the bottom line is, like, I didn't look forward to playing this and, uh, like, episode to episode, and it was, like, kind of a chore to get through. It kind of seems like we all had a similar experience. Yeah, well, I, I want to respond to that to, to some degree, not to discredit your point, because it is extremely valid, and I feel like probably what a lot of people went through going through this game. I do want to give Andy a chance to, to say <laughs> something first. but I don't. Um... I don't care what Andy... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think oh, we should okay. just move on. Yeah, no, it's been a... long already. Uh, we have fun <laughs> Uh, uh, um, but, uh, I had a similar experience and like Chad brought up, but waiting for it, I think inflated the hype a little bit. Like life is strange. One is just a game you told me about and we played, or you watched me play cause you'd already played it. Um, and it ended up like skyrocketing to one of my favorite games. Like it was just such a surprise. And I think one thing that that game does to like, segue into larger conversation is i think the pacing because you brought up you like life is strange one more than the telltale style yeah and i think the fact that it it is more laid back like gives you time as much time as you want to answer or make the decisions and you're able to rewind and see what they all do that that pacing it lets you like live Max's life, spend a lot of time like in her dorm room and getting to know her. And I think that's what people really connect with, with Life is Strange. And this game doesn't deliver that as much. It's a lot brisker of a pace. Yeah, I I want to... Okay, so you are correct. That is a good segue into some stuff. Mm -hmm. But I do want to jump to the tone thing that uh, Dan was bringing up earlier. Um, 
specifically, I like I get the, the fact that the, the first episode of this is like an extreme bummer and then it proceeds to hit you with extreme bummer after <laughs> bummer uh, for the remainder of its runtime. But I will say that, like, I think it is good and even like one of this game's unique strengths, uh, not just in the franchise, but in like gaming as a whole, that it tackles sort of like these very uncomfortable subjects with varying degrees of success but some of them like it hits and you really do like it makes you feel shitty and like obviously you guys know me and the fact that i like that sometimes (laughs) okay Uh... (laughs) daniel can tell you that going into this i said Mm -hmm. i think chad and i are going to have similar opinions but yet still be on opposite ends of the spectrum because our media <laughs> consumption she did say this. is mm-hmm. complete opposite poles as far as like the satisfaction one can get from dark slash disturbing slash depressing slash distressing content. Because for yeah. me, I'm like, hey, this fucking sucks. I never want to be near it again. And yeah. you're like, hmm, let's ponder the deeper themes. And I'm like, fuck out of here, I dude. mean, I would, I would describe Chad's favorite genre of movies as <laughs> ones that make you question whether the experience of living isn't worse after all than just being dead. <laughs> <laughs> like movies that subject you to experiences that are so horrible or unimaginable that you just think maybe it's better to just just plunge into the void yeah i mean as as someone who went through like not only high school english classes but then went on and got at more advanced degrees i had to read a lot of books that i kind Mm -hmm. of felt similarly about where i would get through the book and i would say hmm that message was really important. I understand why I had to read this book in a class where they're teaching us about these themes and sort of like issues in literature and in society. Also, I never want to read it again. Like I'm trying to remember this one book that I read. Oh Christ, I can't even remember the name. But it was it was like this experience about basically this wonderful innocent young peasant girl who gets like taken advantage of and sexually assaulted and basically the entire novel is her fall from grace and it's like okay i get that got it it's terrible being a woman issues of class and economic structure and society blah 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 and with this i feel like similarly the message is extremely important it's dealing with issues of racism and police brutality and classism and family um but i got to the end of it and was like yes i'm really glad they made this the message is really important i could stand behind it I hated experiencing the entire thing. <laughs> That's actually uh, not exact, not as distant as you thought from the things that uh, I, I feel about this as well. It's one of those things where it feels like it should be there and it does exist, but like my taste skews more toward the unearthly and disturbing <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to the sad, like. This game is is capital S, fuck it, capital A, capital D, sad. <laughs> and, with three and with A's. a second D, students yeah, against drunk driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it doesn't let up, like, at all. Like, there are very few moments of levity. I didn't need that paper anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are very few moments of levity 
in the game and the ones that are there end up feeling kind of out of place because you're like, you haven't really earned your happiness, not because of anything you've done, but because the situation you're in just doesn't call for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's no, good... it went from zero to 60 real quick and then you just level at 60 for five <laughs> episodes. Well, one thing when we finished uh, episode two that I don't want to get like far afield from from Andy's point, but like, um, Janelle mentioned, well, like I'm, I'm, I'm having an easier time processing this because like it's not quite as bleak, and like I think the dog. Oh no! It was the end of episode one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was, was like, like, the dog oh, was like, no. a great, like you know, lifted the tone a little bit. Right. Well, because <laughs> I said like normally, if like a dog is introduced and it's a cute little puppy for a kid, I'd be like, this is cheap and stupid, and they're playing with my emotions, and I hate it. And I'm at the end of this was like, oh thank God they played with my emotions. Right. They gave me a puppy, <laughs> and then about ten minutes into chapter two, it's like, oh mushroom, she dead. Yeah. God well, damn. And then, yeah, well, she got killed, and I was like, this is cheap and stupid, and they're playing with my emotions, and I hate it. <laughs> right. I'm like, let's introduce this dog just so we can kill it to get a cheap, like, I, I, I hated that, and thought, like, it was a totally unearned moment of sadness. Uh, I yeah. don't know if you guys have strong feelings about it. Yeah, that's a good point that I hadn't really thought about until just now, is, like, it really does, this is really emotionally draining, uh, it does kind of feel like someone's just following Sean around, beating him with a stick the whole entire time mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that the game's going. He cannot catch a break. Uh, but I agree specifically with the whole mushroom thing. Like, she's introduced at the very end of um, the first episode and then killed almost immediately at the beginning of the second episode. It's like 15 minutes in. And it, I think it goes back to what I said earlier is like the pacing of this. I think it's a bit too fast. Like you don't get to connect with stuff before it moves on. Well, yeah. And I don't, I don't even know if it's necessarily that it's too fast, but it's that each chapter ended up being a vignette from a different point of their journey, such that there Mm -hmm. were very few through characters. Like it says something that the deceased father, Esteban, who dies Mm -hmm. at the end of chapter one is one of the few characters that is consistent throughout the story. And depending on how you play the game and what choices you make, there really may only be the boys and Karen. Because if Cassidy ends up dying, which is right. a possibility in chapter three, you don't hear from her. If you don't call Lila, then uh, she's, out. she's out of the picture. So it ended up being that there were these episodes that didn't carry the emotional weight from chapter to chapter because of these developing relationships and characters. And so I think that's why they ended up creating these more dramatic, high-tension scenes. Whereas, and I, again, hate to compare this second episode or second series to the original game, but part of the reason why Life is Strange was so impactful is because you had these characters that kind of you had a relationship with and you saw their relationships form with each other and so while there were still moments of tension there was enough breathability for the characters to kind of be such that they felt more earned and you felt you had more of a connection with them but like just for example the characters in chapter four in a way like we didn't know these people 
So when they're like, okay, say goodbye to everyone oh, before you the, leave town. The last episode. Oh, yeah, and four and five, yeah. Yeah, I was, like, really grumpy about that, because, like, all right, say goodbye to these characters they just introduced, like, two seconds ago, and, like, I'm supposed to care that he's saying goodbye to, like, Stanley and what's his name? and or, Arthur. And Joanne, or Joan or Joanne, like, I know nothing about them. Like, they seem like nice people, but, like, I spent zero time with them. I The character they're telling me is sad to be leaving them. But I don't, I don't care at all because yeah. I haven't spent yeah. any time with them. Are you talking about the trailer park? Yeah, like hippie commune place. Okay, yeah. it, it's it, been a while. I forget a lot of the characters' well, but, names. But I think, yeah. but I think it's important to talk about as a whole. Of there is very much like a show don't tell issue. Yes, I think for sure. where they keep telling you Daniel is sad to be leaving, Sean is upset because Daniel is upset, but we as the player don't feel that you're very much relying on being told that they're brothers and that that kind of family bond is supposed to be enough for you to empathize with the situation where I feel like the characters again in the first game had that time to develop and you get to know Victoria and um oh god what was the girl's name who in maybe episode three um you have to save from committing suicide Jane is it Jane? No. No. Um, Something Marsh. Hold on. Kate. 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 But that, yeah, that was so impactful because this is a character that you've known from the beginning and there were, that felt like real stakes of not wanting mm-hmm. to lose this character that you've seen kind of struggle and flourish and Max had these moments with and you can empathize because it's a, a relatable situation and you're in high school and you remember what that feels like. Whereas again, yeah, like, Look oh, no, at the look at the like the situation that the Kate thing puts you in. It's a situation where your powers don't work, so now you have to operate under like real human being stakes. And the thing that it hits you with is what do you know about this character? You've mm-hmm. spent three episodes with this person up until now what can you remember how well did you get to know them whereas when you're faced with a similar situation in this game with the church lady and like the uh she's got daniel held cop captive and everything it's like what can you tell daniel about her that's going to convince him to your side it's like i don't fucking know all i did was read her receipts and shit like (laughs) it's not even like it's not comparable. Like they, it's not personal. At yeah, all. they set it up in the same way, but the situation, like the amount of time that you have, like it. it she, I don't even remember her name. Me neither. And we took Elizabeth, a minute to come Elizabeth, up with Kate's name, but we only played remember it because it's so weird. Yeah, it it's a little strange. It's such a it's such a like cult leader name, Elizabeth. <laughs> but like we took a second to remember Kate's name, but we played that game four years ago mm-hmm. like it's been a long fucking time but i can but tell st- you exactly to mind like exactly what she looks like and i could tell mm-hmm. you like details about her family you know that she has younger brothers and like you had to learn her favorite bible verse and like understand how to relate with her on a human level and that also brings into question like the two other i feel like overarching issues about the mechanics of the gameplay which is one that you are not in control of the power in this game. Um, and then number two... Wait, I had another point. That's what you're saying. The power. <laughs> and... 
the glory Sorry, Chad, like, can you just edit in another good point here? Well, no, no, I had it. I had it. It was based on what you said. Um, oh, that the power didn't feel like it was fueling the plot. It felt like they laid out the plot and then put the power in. You know? Yeah, it's like so they much needed of something. Daniel using his power was like, ooh, let me float these objects to you, Sean. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck off, dude. Stand up and walk the five feet. You're just being an asshole. Whereas with Max, it felt like she's really kind of tapping into something and it was like an integral part of how you interacted with the world. Well, yeah, it was like a mechanical manifestation of her indecisiveness. Like, she was very... Uh, she didn't like making decisions and the power let her deal with that in like a supernatural, like superpower way. And this game doesn't really have that with the levitation powers and all that. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like, in addition to it, not feeling like it, it aids in the game really in any way. The other thing is like, I feel like, and and I, I think that I've gotten across uh, over the course of, what, like 70, 80 some episodes of this show, mm-hmm. that I am not typically this cynical, but I genuinely feel like the elevator pitch for uh, Life is Strange Season 2 was like, what if we had a character, like, tear down the border wall with psychic powers? <laughs> like, they yeah. had that and then worked backward yeah. from that. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, and that's... But- and I like that conceptually seems like it could be a great climax. It does seem like an X Men comic splash page. Yeah, and but like something about this game just and not that it doesn't feel genuine or like they don't care or something like they're just doing it for shock value. I genuinely just think that like they didn't have it doesn't have the same cohesiveness that the first season does. Yeah, I I yeah. think uh there two things we we've been talking about how. Um, we felt like the game kind of shows or tells you and doesn't show you. Um, you know, as Daniel said, like it tells you Daniel's uh, sad to be leaving after he just met these people, and the fact that you aren't in control of the power. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're trying to go for like a like a theme of like like a parental thing. Like, it's the game's not about like you, like getting to like experience this stuff it's like you keeping daniel safe and making sure his experiences with these things are the like you know good net positive yeah like it's it's loose but i think they're trying to do something with that but it feels like disconnected well, I so think you're saying you're... that we're all so self-centered that we couldn't see a plot that was... Well, no, I just, I don't think it, it, like you said, I don't think it's it clicks. I don't think it's quite cohesive with, like, the whole package. I think you're absolutely right about that, especially, and it's, it's illustrated by the fact that so much of what, unlike Life is Strange 1, so much of what happens at the end is sort of more amorphously based on, like, your parenting of Daniel. Like the outcome you get is determined in part by like, did you encourage him to use his power or not? Like, did you try, try, yeah, you like try to teach him to help people or did you try to teach him to like put himself first? And so like that, I actually think that theme Mm -hmm. is fairly well executed. Like at least mechanically, it's kind of interesting that like this big final decision is the culmination of like lots of little decisions you've made, which is like, 
pretty reflective, a pretty realistic way to reflect, like, how trying to, like, raise a young kid might, like, result in, like, affecting big choices they make. Right. My biggest issue with the mechanic is that, like, it's just not fun to play. Like, in in Life (laughs) is Strange 1, it's, like, this wish fulfillment of, like, what if you could rewind time and, like, try every avenue to see which one like the outcome you like best like that's a super interesting idea and something that in one form or another i think anybody has thought about and it leads to a lot more engagement i mean like you're using the mechanic in every scene in life is strange one and the way we played it anyway like you try out all the dialogue options and then like rewind and pick the one you like the outcome the best like you can and, and it, it also helped with what I think is a really common RPG issue, which is where the dialogue option is labeled with, like, a very simplistic one-sentence thing that you choose. And there were times during this where we looked and we're like, uh, these are three bad options. <laughs> like, um, I don't want to tell my mom, that sucks, or I blame you. And then, like, you choose it and it, like, turned out fine. You're like, oh, thank God. But, you know, it's, it's the same thing with the original Life is Strange, you might pick an option and be like, oh, that was balls. Never mind. Let me try the other way. Whereas with this, it felt like, oh, oh. And sometimes if you don't make a decision quickly enough, they assume that you're a sulky teenager and things end up even worse. So, like, I just thought that was a really, yeah, interesting way to integrate the power into the game. And also, you would get the value of replaying and trying all the different options without having to go back and replay the entire game again. Yeah, and a, a touch that I really like is that you can use it outside of the dialogue. Like, you can use it literally whenever to yeah. just rewind stuff. Make uh, Alyssa get hit in the head with a football, yes, like, ten times in a say. row. <laughs> Watching Alyssa get beamed is great on the fifth time or the fiftieth time. We get yeah, none so of there, that. Yeah, there's more, like, moment-to-moment engagement because you control the power. Yeah. I, I want to sort of, like... In order to try and connect this to the game at hand for once. Uh, Can we just redo Life is Strange 1? Just, just like return to that again? episode? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... I remember JJ called it medium telltale quality and I will never forgive him for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of telltale games that are outstanding, but oh, yeah, the vast majority obviously. definitely do not meet the bar that Life is Strange sets. Yeah, I didn't know how to respond to that comment when he said it originally, but I also totally disagree. I think I probably just went, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, why we killed him, and he's no longer on the podcast. Well, and now yeah, that he's exactly. not here to defend himself, I think we can all agree that Warren sucks. So Fuck Warren. <laughs> well, we all hated Warren. Yeah. Uh, JJ defended him. Uh, but to, to, take, to track it forward, if we compare this game to before the storm and to uh captain spirit which came out between the two and uh both like did away with the ability the the reverse time ability like it wasn't a thing in those games i still think that the smaller scale of those games ended up making them feel better to play overall i think captain spirit has its problems but this isn't the captain spirit podcast uh, but I genuinely enjoyed Beyond the Storm, or B- Before the Storm, Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, <laughs> Mad before Max, the storm, Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I genuinely thought that was a good game. Like, I enjoyed that, and that one got pretty negative reception overall. Yeah, I think what? it's... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's the like things we've been talking about. Like, the fact that it's... Uh, like a very personal human story. Like you're spending time with these two characters and their lives that that's like, that's a large part of the appeal of the first one. And uh, before the storm really tries to capture that mm-hmm. and they do uh, to mix success, not as strong as the first one, but they do manage to, to hit the feeling, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, Andy's point is actually so good that it's inspired me to make, a different point than the one I was going to make. Uh, <laughs> I totally Switch. agree with that. And I think that's like, if I had to distill one thing about like a strange one that I, that I really liked that was absent from this game and really like the core reason that just didn't click with me is it's that Victoria. It's what? <laughs> it's Victoria. It's Victoria. She's, yeah. she's great. Um, <laughs> now it's that, both games obviously are like magical realism stories they're like fantastic Mm. in a in a literal sense and could not happen in real life but life is strange one sets out to through that story tell uh a narrative that is like very relatable and that captures a feeling that like most people growing up sort of in america have like the feeling of being in high school and sort of being caught between being treated like a kid and being treated like an adult and feeling like you have really serious things going on in your life, but having all of the adults around you, like continue like carrying on as if everything is normal and feeling like you can't like get them to understand what you're no feeling. No matter how many times you're like, there are two moons <laughs> in, in the, the sky. sky. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like the first game, really captures that feeling well and i think is the main reason that it was so successful for me this story arguably is not even trying to do that which like i guess fair enough but it's just telling the events that happen are so horrible (laughs) that you can't relate to them right like i'm sure we will get into this but like it it of course is trying like tackling important themes and like to some extent things that do happen to people but mm-hmm. like they are on like an order of magnitude worse than things that happen to like everyday people that that feeling of like i totally understand what these characters are going through through even though like obviously i don't experience magical powers or like time travel in my everyday life um that is lost and i think it's a big part of why I really connected with one and in this one I did not. Yeah, the the difference I think between the like the scale of the suffering that the characters in Life is Strange 2 were put through is like such that with Life is Strange 1 there was enough of a human connection that you can still relate even when the science fiction stuff kicks in. In Life is Strange 2, it feels like you disconnect from treating the characters as characters and recognize it more of a video game thing as they Mm -hmm. get fed into the third or fourth meat grinder that they get put into. (laughs) It's like, 
like at first you're like oh this sucks i'm glad that that's over so that the rest of the game can be about them rebuilding as we really get to learn from them but then they get kicked while they're down so many times that they aren't really down anymore because they're <laughs> rolling down a hill into a ravine <laughs> like it's t- like <laughs> by the end of the game it's like I guess depending on what you choose to do like Sean doesn't even have both of his eyes and (laughs) Daniel gets taken away and is abducted by a cult and like uh, everyone you you gave your life savings to a guy you barely know and then you're in prison Uh, we did did, I did did that yeah (laughs) no fuck that guy I'm not giving him any money that was the (laughs) correct choice fuck that guy but still (laughs) But they pull the same shit with the dog, where they're like, oh, here's this cute dog. Oh, we killed him. And they're like, here's this character you don't know, but his sister's really sick, and he really <laughs> needs that money. <laughs> uh, don't you feel Chad, bad? Chad, you mentioned that Before the Storm was negatively received by some critics. I actually don't know and meant to look up what the critical reception was for this game, and I would be very interested to know what it is if you have some insight into that uh we never do this but Mm -hmm. i will check just for the sake of while you're doing that i think a good while we're talking about the differences in feel of the games i think a good way to highlight that is to look how each game starts because like the first one drops you in with max in class like it's just like her like in the first chapter it's just like you going around the school and, you know, just kind of learning the ropes of what her life is like before it, it, it goes into any kind of uh, substantial story stuff. At, this game starts out with him coming home from school with his uh, with Lila. Was that her name? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're talking about this party they're going to go to. So in my head, I'm like, okay, we're going to come home, like do our chores uh, go to the party and like hang out at the party and you know flirt with this girl that he likes and you know like play out that night and then the next day like something happens you know that disrupts his daily life but instead you do a couple things around the house and then their dad immediately gets killed you know no, like right. I th- it went I- zero to 60 yeah and then it never it never gave you the chance to breathe that's kind of what we were talking about where like the sweet moments felt really unearned because you're like y'all have been on the run forever the danger level is at max like i can't spend this time feeling really good about you having a relationship with your grandparents because the entire time i'm thinking like the entire story that we get to see is them running 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 and i know there's gonna be at least three more episodes of running before we're done so you are just constantly prepared for the next thing that's going to happen to kick them further down the hill yeah it's a really good point andy i what like there's no slice of life moments really in this um Mm -hmm. that were i mean just pop like totally populated all of one um and i mean captain spirit and before the storm too um that it, it's just it's obviously like a deliberate design choice right um and mm-hmm. one that i don't think was very successful that they they really left something behind in choosing not to have those moments yeah i think uh oh for those curious i did look up the the scores for the games and it's pretty varied but looking at metacritic which 
isn't a perfect solution, but will do justice for this. Uh, Life is Strange 2 ended up being received similarly to Before the Storm, which is uh, a, a little fairly positive, but not as much as the first one. The scores are 85 for Life is Strange 1, 79 for Life is Strange 2, and 77 for Before the Storm. Okay. That's interesting. That's that's basically in line with what I expected, but I wasn't sure, given the, uh, like, the goal of of two of telling of of conveying a certain like set of messages, that some people might think that it's more laudable than one for that reason. But I, I'm not surprised. That's fair. I mean, Life is Strange one tackles some social issues as well, which I think are important. Uh, but it doesn't. Like, this is more of a, this is a much more, dare I fucking say it, political game. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, games aren't political. Yeah, the game uh, isn't shy about it, so. Yeah. <laughs> it is trying to be timely in a way that one was not. It's not like, um, it's not partisan politics per se, but it is trying to make a, a it, it's trying to have a social message that is more timely than I think the first game was, which was not particularly concerned with anything that was, like, in the news. But, I mean, I guess, as someone who's studied... Someone who's studied literature. Someone who is a connoisseur (laughs) of literature. uh um, But just... It's actually a really common discussion that I have had of form and function and, like, the ways that messages and themes can be best delivered like you don't want to necessarily put a a huge overarching theme with many sub themes in like a i don't know sonnet for example and i just feel that with the expectations that were built from the first game um with the magical realism element and the story that they were telling, I just don't think it meshed as well in the five chapter sort of established Life is Strange setup. Again, not that I disagree with the message or not that I think that it's not important that it was out there. And I think that it's totally fine for video games to be political. Uh, no problems from this camp about political video games, <laughs> but uh, I just don't, I just don't think it's important to consider how, you're presenting the message and how it will be received and consumed. And if I hate consuming it, it's not <laughs> the best way for you to get your message across. Which I think which I think is sad because I I wanted to I was rooting for these characters and I wanted to help them be successful in and get them across the border or liberate them. It just I wasn't able to to feel the ways that I wanted to while playing the game and sort of accomplishing those goals. I, I do feel like this is actually a conversation that I had not too long ago. And I, I'm struggling to remember who it was with or what even brought it up in the first place. But I, there's this idea of like being political as a platform or on a platform rather uh, in this case, like in commercial video games where you have a struggle with, you can present people with issues that you want to address that are fairly easy to like take in and think about and 
people will generally show up for it. Like they're they're there. It's safe. Most people aren't going to take a, a big issue with it because like there are people presenting on both sides, so it doesn't feel like there's a a big issue of, of favor favoritism or whatever. But the the deeper you get and like the bigger the issue and the darker the subject matter, the harder it is to platform that and still have your platform at the end of it. And so I feel like Life is Strange 2 is trying to tackle like, I, I mean, race, racism is bad, is not uh, an issue Chad. that people, I know. <laughs> I, a bold fucking, statement, a bold statement yeah. from Chad, a man we can believe in. <laughs> Very brave. Uh, but racism is bad is not a message that a lot of people are going to be opposed to hearing. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they situate this within like this very like 2019 political era is what makes it difficult for some people to stomach. And I think that that is it, like that's a detractor. Like like Janelle was saying, like thinking about how you're presenting your message when you're presenting a universal message in a really specific way, it makes it difficult to like maintain uh, a large, like a, a bipartisan audience, I guess. Like yeah. I doubt there are a lot of Trump supporters who played this game to the end and were like, that's pretty good. Like, <laughs> I just don't think that it. <laughs> yeah. It's such a direct parallel. Mm-hmm. I think is the problem. Like it's always better to be more like to allude to it or be more subtle than to just literally have it end at like the border wall, you know? Yeah. Well, and we talked about how every character that they encounter who were huge bigots and racists were kind of the ultimate, the (laughs) worst. Whereas I, I don't know, I guess I feel like it's much more interesting and much more common to have, people who are more subtly insidious insidiously racist yeah my my biggest problem with the like we've said several times now that like it's totally fine that this game like had a message that some people might characterize as political i agree with that but it was so heavy-handed and explored a side of racism that is almost as you said chad universally objectionable and kind of uninteresting for that reason that i don't really give the game a lot of credit for tackling that theme i mean Mm. i I don't imagine that the kind of racism that like people of color deal with on a day-to-day basis is like the the militia member with like a flag (laughs) patch on their jacket who's gonna like beat them up or like shoot them uh it's it probably is a more like unconscious level of racial bias that like that kind of theme would probably be more interesting to explore than this i mean they just met so there are like two kinds of people in the world of life is strange too they should have called it life is strange two kinds of people there are (laughs) cool off the grid hippies and hipsters who are Uh really awesome and fun to be around and then there are the most bigoted horrible racists imaginable (laughs) Like, that's basically all we see in this game. Like, when they're in a safe place, they're with some cool off-the-grid hipsters, and then when they are in danger, they're with, like, this cartoon racist who, like, uh, those people do exist in the world, but there are not very many of them, and they are pretty unlucky that they keep running into them. 
<laughs> I mean, to me, the most gratuitous art. Well, the the border militia is a close second, but the most gratuitous in the game, and it did feel manipulative and cheap, like the dog being killed, is when he pulls over to sleep, and like two guys from like Deliverance knock on his window and are like, "Oh, this yeah. is our property." Also, we're the worst people in the world, and we're gonna like literally just attack you. Um, mm. I, it just didn't feel like an authentic experience. Like, I don't think that that's how people confront racism in their everyday lives. Yeah, especially when they're kids, you yeah. know, like that made it like pushed it even further to like feeling unrealistic. Yeah, and it's not even like, because <laughs> like obviously these people are in an unusual situation, a strange situation. Yes, life is pretty strange. Life like is that. strange. Uh, but yeah, life is not this strange. And <laughs> the people that they specifically uh, like run into, like that you're calling out, like those people that you wake up in a field, are not. They are not the problem that's going to do the most good by having the public worry about it. Like because mm-hmm. there are ten of those people, at all, probably not. But still, like uh, it is. It's focusing in weird places, and I, I feel like. Because we should actually talk about this sort of like on a th- like from a, a game through line perspective, the first episode I think actually starts in a really good place, uh, albeit it is a bit of a gut punch for sure. But it feels the most like distilled that the game gets because the issue, the game is about race, and I think like they should have stuck with that pretty much throughout. There's a bit of like religious fundamentalism and stuff thrown in later uh like weed culture it's it's oh jesus yeah (laughs) but uh like the the first episode is like the cop is killed in a unusual circumstance and they're singled out because of their race Mm -hmm. and And, that is what causes them to go on the run what i was gonna say And, and the precipitating event was the fact that two kids of color were in a fight with a white kid, their mm-hmm. Mexican father came out, and there was a misunderstanding, again, fueled by the fact that one person was white and one person was not, leading to his death, and then, you know. So, I mean, I think that that scene in and of itself is not uncommon, and that's why it worked. Yeah, I agree. It's because yeah. that is the story that you hear about on a day-to-day basis and if they had just continued to explore that i think going forward it would have been a more palpable understandable story than what ended up happening yeah i completely agree i i mean it feels it feels like they had like a checklist of conservative stereotypes that they wanted to make sure they like showed we disagree with this and mm-hmm. so it ended up taking it far afield from, like, the core idea of, or, like, the core inciting incident. Right. Um, especially the religious, uh, like, that whole episode of with the church and the call it felt totally gratuitous to us. Something we talked about, like, offline. Um, and it wasn't really connected to the larger themes except that, like, also aren't these people horrible. Um, right. And I just didn't, uh, it seemed out of place. 
I will agree that it seems out of place, but I also kind of really liked that episode. But like as a standalone, yeah, like, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, like, the concept of it is very good. I the episodes are so separated anyway that like I don't know that one ended up probably being my favorite. But no, I totally agree with the. Uh, with your qualms with it it is does feel like a hard left turn to be like now there's a religious cult uh i mean by the I by the time they got to the border and he gets shot by the militia i, I literally was like i like rolled my eyes at it i mean it's just it's such like a cartoon at that point that like mm-hmm. there's this woman like who lives in texas but like i don't know what that accent is just like a generic <laughs> redneck um who is just like reading it just feels so ham-fisted that i can't like accept it i mean i don't know i guess when you're creating this kind of media it's a lot easier to create sort of ciphers or avatars of you know these polar positions but again i think it goes back to the fact that you never got like a core set of developed characters with kind of more complex mindsets and approaches to things and maybe it's an issue of the fact that it's sort of spread across the west coast so you couldn't really spend that much time in one place with all these same characters but even then the characters you do spend a lot of time with sean i don't find particularly compelling maybe it was the constant references to weed that i'm like ah oh, yes teenage boys do love weed yep that's at least 45 percent of his character and as someone who has really no desire to be a parent themselves like having daniel around didn't do the character any favors given the kind of arcs and choices that he makes independent of you really the only character that i feel like we kind of got to know and that i really enjoyed being around virtually was karen and then everybody else is kind of one-dimensional or i didn't i didn't find myself relating to them where again i hate that i keep going back to the well that is the original life is strange game but i felt like there were so many characters that had complexity and i found either interesting or like genuinely enjoyed like, oh god, what was the kid's name who was in the Vortex Club? Um, oh, uh... uh, uh Jay. There were Jay. a lot of them. But but the it, one kid who was just, like, high all the time. Uh, you want to like, oh, vape yeah. some dank OG, bud? Yeah. Yeah, the, like, but, like, exactly. The dank, like, he was a one-dimensional character, but, like, I enjoyed the time that he, i spent with him and i, and yeah, because I felt he's like he's also a punchline you know like he's not there you aren't supposed to get really close to that character he's supposed to be the guy who's like just there to make fun of him for his like bizarre dialogue and shitty like i don't know he felt right. like a character a one-dimensional character for a purpose yeah, and then he, it, because you had these other complex characters that you were devoting so much of your time and attention to, whereas with this, yeah, it just felt like you kept moving from sort of stereotype to stereotype with nothing that really sort of stuck or moved me in any kind of compelling way. I, I mean, Daniel felt like a realistically drawn character for me, but I don't think that that inured to the game's benefit that much. Because he kind of sucked in the way that, like, eight-year-old boys suck. 
It's uh, like that was a fair. It was fairly realistic, but like, this is a problem that is like many forms of media that have a narrative that revolve around a child have, which is like, either you accept that this character is important and worth caring about because they're a child. Or there, like, has to be some, like, for more compelling reason. And I think this game mostly relied on the fact that he was a child. And you just kept being told over and over again, like, how he's great Daniel brother. is. And, like, yeah, he's, uh, he's well, so smart. He's your brother. And, like, everyone likes him. And, like, it, I, it was, again, it's a show-don't-tell problem. But, like, there was a lot of, like, uh... He's a brat. Like, you as Sean say all the time, he's a brat, he's a brat, and you're not given a lot of evidence to the contrary. Janelle called him the plot shittener ex machina, (laughs) and that I think is basically accurate. Like, anytime the story needed to get worse, Daniel just, like, (laughs) did some stupid bullshit. Uh, or like if to they make things worse. or if they needed to get out of a situation that Daniel got them into, he would blow a hole in it. And so like, well, I guess that resolved the issue, but again, you're the one that got us into this situation. And also I just I don't know. I guess when I think of a 10-year-old, again, that was like 16 years ago for me being a 10-year-old, but I could not imagine myself acting in the way that Daniel did at times, which then made me resent him. And so by the end, I mean, I don't want to necessarily talk about the endings yet if you guys don't want to. Um, But when I got to the end and we're crossing the border and Daniel's like, I'm out. And he does a dive bomb from the car. I'm like, we basically cheered. (laughs) Sean doesn't have to be a single dad anymore. He gets to sit on the beach in Mexico and Daniel gets what he wants away from us. Like, yeah, yeah, and again, I felt maybe it's my bias as someone who doesn't want children, but I was very resentful of the fact that I had to take care of this child that I was basically just told, "You're this character's brother. Deal with him." And I was like, "I don't want to do that. I don't care about him." Uh, now I felt the exact same way. Uh, Daniel was a pretty much a complete miss for me. Uh, he, I, I hated him. Uh, he was incredibly selfish and just kept fucking his brother over deeper and deeper and didn't seem to care at all that he'd done it. Uh, like, he ma- he causes his brother to lose his eye and does not seem remorseful about it whatsoever. You know, like, I feel like a lot of that skirted around and they just kind of make him a stereotypical bratty kid that you have to take care of and don't have him act like a real human being uh no i was just gonna say i appreciate daniel to some extent because his mentality probably most closely matches my own uh where i'm just sort of like why can't i get the thing i want right now uh i have to steal this choker crisp from this guy's car oh did you guys Uh, steal anything from the store yeah we did but not. not until after the whole thing. I, actually, I think I want to go sort of like episode by episode through this and just like, because the game is about decisions and I want to sort of talk about what you're presented with. Uh, but I think that we should do that after, after the, the break. break. <laughs> uh, so let's let's take that break. All right.
Welcome back from the break. Uh, I wanted to go through the game. I wanted to use the second half to be less about just all of our hot takes and more about the game. Because <laughs> despite the issues that we obviously have with it, I actually didn't hate this. And I did not dread going back into each episode. Um, but let's go ahead and take it like one at a time and figure out why it is we don't think this worked as well. Um, sure. we, we already did kind of talk about the first episode um, and how the instigating sort of like incident of the entire plot actually works pretty well, at least in my opinion. Uh, and then it launches into this thing where you go out into the forest and like make camp and sit on a rock and get and penalized draw. and draw and pe- get penalized for not helping Daniel down from some somewhat steep ledges. And maybe he uh, ate some berries and oh, he yeah. didn't look closely enough. And he, he ate puked. the uh, bad berries for us because we didn't uh, like press the button fast enough. Or no, what it was is I was playing with the Switch controller where and the X and Y buttons are swapped from like it was mapped to an Xbox controller. And so I pressed like, oh yeah, you can eat that. And I was like, Daniel, <laughs> why did you do that? <laughs> no. I did not mean to. So he had a horrible night of diarrhea as a result. <laughs> That's pretty bad. It serves him right. Yeah. Real quick, before we like move on completely from the opening sequence, can I just mention like, their father is super cool, and like I don't really have an objection with the way he is characterized. He seems like an authentically cool dude, but like sure. no character has been more obviously doomed than him. <laughs> like, he's so he's so cool and understanding that you're like, well, like he's gonna die for sure because this game like can't go on with this like totally responsible and loving father being part of the story. I mean, if it was a movie, they would have had him, like, suspiciously cough for no reason to mark him for death. Because, like, he is, <laughs> he is that clearly uh, a target. Someone marked his life force for termination. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he does have that sort of, like, soon-to-be-dead guy air about him. <laughs> and, like, he's also a victim of marketing, where, like, the twist doesn't fully work. Because if you know anything about the game, including just, like, the icon on the start screen, you're like, well, they probably wouldn't just leave and go on a cross-country hiking trip if their dad was still at home and fine. <laughs> so you knew something was going to happen. Uh, though, honestly, I kind of was expecting more of, like, a... Uh, an apocalyptic like a po- apocalyptic cataclysm type event mm. more than anything like i thought it was like a society's downfall story when i went in and was surprised to find it to be as personal as it was but personal impersonal depending on how you want to look at it because <laughs> there right. isn't a whole lot of inner character interaction uh, but moving on to sitting on a rock and Drawing. Towing and drawing. Yeah, I mean, while we're on some things that aren't about going forward in the story, did you guys get a magical floating stick during that scene at all? It looks like no. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's the scene where they're sitting on top of the rock cave thing. 
uh, and they're talking. There's a there's a stick asset, you know, that they had used in like the scene before it. Like he, I don't yeah. remember what he was doing with it. And for whatever reason, we experienced a bug where it was just like floating by his head for that whole scene. Well, that really probably on. undercut the uh, dramatic. Tension. It sure did. Yep. It went on for so long. Like they changed sequences and like moved to different locations and it was still there floating above his head. <laughs> and it was so wild. Like it wasn't until after the nighttime scene that it went away. Yeah. It's this game's version of the T frame guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from the first game. Which, I love that God, guy. God, I wish that t-frame kid made a uh, a cameo yeah. <laughs> i mean this game had plenty of cameos from Captain Spirit it did have a few the first game why not t-frame guy just like in the ba- like oh just in the in the woods <laughs> i mean that's where he exists <laughs> yep. in the background well but like Video behind half behind a tree a lot of them yeah. in this game hashtag justice for t-frame guy <laughs> um no, but we did mention the or you guys mentioned the drawing mechanic or if you want to call it a mechanic uh, thing that you do Ooh. Ooh. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh i really liked that it's one of the things that this game adds that i think fits with the spirit of the original game the like spirit. the captain spirit if you will uh it's just kind of like a quiet moment for him to kind of sit and kind you get like his you really feel like you're like with him in his head in the way that you kind of always were with Max. Like, it's one of the the small little ways I think it captures what I liked about the first one. Yeah, having a constant companion character in this game means that you don't get that inner monologue that existed in all of the previous Life is Strange (laughs) Smooth one, Max. Yeah, Uh, and so it does give you that, like, moment of introspection, especially when you get to, like, flip back through the notebook, which I also genuinely liked. Uh, and see the characters drawn out and, like, his interpretations of them. It is sort of like a surrogate form of character development, one that doesn't, in my experience, work as well as real character (laughs) development does. But it's nice that it's there. Like, if the characters were also more fleshed out, I feel like I would have found those drawings even more charming than they were. Janelle has to sneeze. Sorry, I suppressed it. It's okay. (laughs) We're good. We're Um, good. Sorry. It's interesting that I like the points about introspection. And now that you've said it, I partly agree. I don't... For me, the character... Or the uh, drawing mechanic was not very successful. Uh, It could... I I can't really put my finger on exactly what I didn't like about it, Um, but... Was it that the referencing was just looking at something for a while and then the drawing was moving the c stick around yeah, in concentric like, circles yeah it was from like a mechanical perspective it was like confusing because at first i thought like okay i need to move the stick in a certain way but really you just have to like move it in any direction so i would just like hold a to look at it and then swirl it in a circle until it was done drawing which like wasn't very mm-hmm. satisfying to do and a lot, like, they recycled all, all of his, like, lines about drawing every time, uh, which felt kind of lazy and weird. Um, like, now, time to take the pen, dude. I was like, it looks pretty <laughs> good, but I can add more details if I want. Like, I don't, I, they could have done more, I think. It felt like 
a little yeah. low effort. Well, I was I never, mean, like, excited about doing the drawings. No. Max had her photography that ended up, again, working with the power and, like, more in the story. And while I like this, and I liked the aspect of having the journal and it kind of being, like, a logbook of their time on the road, it, it ended up feeling like it was a fun character detail for him, but it wasn't tied into the story in the same way. It wasn't as satisfying. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a absence makes the heart grow fonder thing, I think, for me, because I do not remember him saying the exact things every time uh, he opened the book, I, which I is a good point. It. That's that's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I, I noted it, but I did not... Uh... It didn't stick with me enough that it became something that I thought of in retrospect. It is kind of stupid, given the amount of dialogue that's in this game that they couldn't have hashed out. Because they're like, what, ten total drawing segments in the whole game? Something like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, they wrote they unique dialogue for like looking at a soup can, but they yeah. couldn't write. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> let me look at this can. Like, I remember when Dad used to make a soup. How am I going to tell Daniel that Dad won't make a soup anymore? <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. I was going to say, the first episode, to me, felt by far the longest out of all of them. And maybe it's because the others were very vignette-like of, okay, this is the weed farm episode. Okay, this is the grandparents episode. This is the cult episode. With this one, it, you're in Seattle, then you're in the forest, and then you're at the roadside place, and then you're in the car with, I can't think of his name. The Seth Rogen? Brody? Brody. It is Brody. And then you're at the motel. Like, you go to all of those places, and I think that would be maybe better if the other arcs were the same way. But I also think that it lost some of the punch of the first episode because it kept kind of dragging. Like, I kept thinking, okay, now's the end of the episode. Okay, now... It, yeah. it kind of it had a Return of the King issue where there were, like, seven different endings. Oh, and it's I love... really boring and takes three hours. <laughs> I love Return of the King. I don't want to talk about that. But it's the most apt comparison, I think, where if you weren't enjoying the experience like I wasn't, I kept thinking like, okay, this makes sense to end. And then it's like, fuck, they're still in the fucking car. Like, I don't want to talk yeah. to Brody. I want the episode to be over. Yeah, they cover the most geographic distance in that game, like you're in that episode in gameplay. Uh, whereas in other ones, they kind of like, sort of skip by all of the traveling um including meeting some kind of important characters which is i don't know not a great decision um but it, yeah that that does make the first episode feel both the most realized and also the longest so i i, I agree with that i think entirely it's just more of a I almost kind of wish that the other episodes followed that formula a little bit closer. Like, I would rather the whole third episode of this game just be removed. <laughs> Wait, what's the third one? The weed farm? That's yeah. the weed farm, yeah. Okay. And replaced with 
them traveling to it and then the events of it being described to me in a notebook like <laughs> I, if they did a, a a switch of that where you go and you meet the characters individually like when they introduce cassidy and dumb guy for the finn. first time oh you didn't like him either finn. good no, nobody likes finn no uh when they introduce those characters for the first time is when you're at that uh like yard sale or the market. Fucking, the yeah. Christmas market. Yeah, a farmer's market. And, like, I, one, did not interpret them as being important characters when I saw them and was shocked when the game vacuumed me into a cutscene <laughs> with them. Like, I was trying to walk totally past them, paying them no attention. And then suddenly I was in dialogue. Like, I was so surprised by that. And, like, the, and because of that, the conversation we had was like, do you think that she was pretty cool? And I was like, F- I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to her. <laughs> like, I just assumed there was nothing there. One small thing they did in that initial interaction that I really bounced off of was, you guys are probably going to think this is really stupid, but I didn't think it was a cool, chill thing that they didn't put their dog on a leash in a public place. Like, yeah. I've been... Out in public, I can think of at least once, like, down in Florida with my brother, where, like, a dog was not on a leash, and it just went and, like, tried to kill another dog. And it was horrible. (laughs) Like, it was honestly, like, traumatizing. Like, put your dog on a leash. It's not, like, a cool counterculture thing to say we don't do leashes. Like, you're out in public, like, you have responsibility to put your dog on a leash so it doesn't, like, hurt anyone, even if it's a cool dog. Like... That's the kind of, like, it's minimum a, yeah. social, like, courtesy you can do. Yeah, I think they just wanted it to be shorthand for, like, these people are they're laid free. back. Yeah, they're free. Yeah, it's the symbolism of the leash that they're going with. But they did it in... Basically, the entirety of that chapter was this problem. There was symbolism of freedom, but done in a way that made the characters seem irritating. Yeah. Not in a way that made them do, seem actually free. Do we want to backpedal and talk about the second episode? Yeah, probably. <laughs> we uh, should, because it's the best episode in the game. In my opinion. The one where they're at the... the Grandparents' yeah, house? Grandparents the Captain Spirit episode? Yeah. Yes. So, I do like the lead-in to that. Like, Mushroom's like semi-tragic, semi-sweet uh chocolate chips and it was like i liked the living in the cabin and practicing the powers like the training montage part of it felt like the built natural build-up but honestly leading into episode three i was like pretty sold on this game uh and it kind of went downhill after that Mm -hmm. but the second episode i think starts really strong and i think generally uh I liked where they were going. I liked the idea of it being them living on their own. Uh, and, and the second episode gave us something we really needed, which was, like, that release valve. Like, when they get to Stephen and Claire, it's like, okay, like, take a breath. Things are, like, a little more normal now. Like, there are adults back in the picture. Like, we're living in a house. And, that, and I, I mean, that was the most slice of life episode because you're, like, that house felt like a real house. I think the way it was designed and, like, the art direction and the animation stuff was, like, terrific. It just felt like, 
like a house that like people of that age would live in like in the in the pacific northwest like it, it felt like a real place and i liked it a lot for that reason um and you just get to have like some more quiet moments of just like doing everyday things and i thought that for that reason that episode was pretty effective i also just kind of want to put a pin in the idea of family and kind of like family ties and obligations this probably isn't the most compelling place to talk about it um but i think kind of <laughs> steven and claire and the events of episode two do play into it um but it probably makes more sense when karen comes into play later I think the most important choices of this episode are, one, did you tell Stephen the truth about the powers? And two, did you pull Stephen from the bookshelf breaking his legs, or did you let Daniel use the power? More importantly, did you do all your chores before you went outside to play? That actually isn't the last uh... one. <laughs> the last one that I was going to ask choice-wise Um and again, you can answer these in order, with this one being the last and kind of more important, um, is that I didn't play Captain Spirit, and we did not upload a save with Captain Spirit in it. And so I wondered how mm -hmm. that affected your interactions with Chris. Please answer them in order in essay format, please and thanks. <laughs> uh, I think this is as good a time as any to say, and I know actually that Andy disagrees with me on this, so this will be an interesting for the audience to interpret. Uh, mm -hmm. how we perceive things. I think that we played this game badly. Like, I think that we did a bad job of doing what was, like, right and the that had the least effect on other people and shit and, like, ended up putting us on a good path. Like, I think that we strayed from that pretty far. And I think that episode two is where that really begins. Uh... And also, just to buffer the third question, I we played Captain Spirit, but we did it on a different platform than we played Life is Strange. So yeah, we also did not have a save for Captain Spirit in the game when uh, we played this chapter. So I don't know what the difference is. Probably uh, not significant. Um, um, did it? Did you know the right answers when you were identifying heroes and villains with his toys? I think we got four out of five. Yeah. We missed one. We got but I don't one. remember which one. Mm. Uh, but yeah, what, uh, we did not tell Steven the truth, but we did pull him from the bookshelf. We, we used the powers. We, used to, the we did not break his legs. Right. <laughs> Breaking his legs seemed like a bad idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we did tell uh, the truth. Uh, what about Chris? Did you save him okay. with your powers so he didn't trust us because we didn't get all the toys right and like maybe oh, we okay. didn't ask the right questions but we had kind of had the discussion with daniel throughout of like don't use your powers recklessly but if it comes time that you have no other choice and it's to help somebody else like use your powers so we didn't get the best ending where he just like helps us escape we got the one where the car was coming at Chris and Daniel diverted it. So Chris didn't die, uh, which I know is a possibility. See, uh, in ours, he got hit by the car, oh, but no. did not die. <laughs> yeah, he survives it and sends you a letter afterward. Apparently he thought we were chill enough dudes <laughs> that he uh, did not 
blame us for him being run over by a car? Well, he just got hit. So here's my question. He only breaks his arm, so. Yeah. Here's my question about Chris. <laughs> okay. Um, Do you hate him? Answer <laughs> no. yes. That's not, oh. not my question. Um, I didn't hate I that liked Chris. One. I hated the other one. I remember not liking Chris yeah. that much in the Captain Spirit game, but I think compared to Daniel, he actually compares pretty favorably. Um, That's yeah, he feels like Chris a real kid. Yeah. Is he? So he thinks he has powers, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And when you're running from the cops, he step. This is what happened for us anyway. He steps out in the middle of the road and holds out his hand to use his powers to stop the police car. Uh-huh. Did that happen to you guys? Yes. Yes. He, how does, what does he think he's doing in that moment? Because he doesn't know who you are. And he doesn't know why you're trying to run away from the cops. He also doesn't know that you are running away from the cops. Like, you, like, we, like, snuck out the back door. So, like, from Chris's perspective, he hears a police car. It was like, I'm going to go fucking stop this car. It just, like, steps out <laughs> in the middle of the road. Like, it makes no sense. Is he, like, a psychopath? He's an, uh, he just has really strong feelings about the place. <laughs> I say, what I, you don't know is that Chris has ACAB tattooed on his back. <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember the context well enough to know if there's an explanation or not. Yeah, because, like, he knows who we are, at least in our playthrough. Like, he was familiar with us as people and did think that he had, had powers. Uh-huh. Uh, Wait, did it have something to do with his dad? Maybe I can't remember. Well, he probably wouldn't go to stop the cops confronting his dad. The this is once again we're getting into the Captain Spirit podcast, but I feel like it <laughs> handles the whole abuse thing kind of like poorly. Like it plays a little bit too much to just be like abuse is just there to make you feel for the kid. Yeah, I kind of like the way that it always felt like a thing that's nebulously happening away from you. Like almost like it was framed through the eyes of a kid. Yeah. I thought that was actually pretty good. So but no, overall, was I don't he... think they tied it in. Well, was he abused? I thought based on my, again, as someone who didn't, did not play captain spirit, I viewed it as he, the dad was depressed and neglectful and didn't know how to take care of his kid. In captain spirit. It's a little bit more. I don't know how to describe it. I, I I will say yes because abuse can take many forms. He's not True. physically abusive, but True. he is like emotionally he's abusive. Emotionally abusive yeah. and he's like pretty shitty like, in Captain Spirit. Well, see, that's not yeah. if yeah. you didn't play like, the game. Like, I don't order... think you got that at all from the dad. From two, yeah. yeah. Especially like with the heartfelt conversation that happens in his truck. Like if you did play Captain Spirit, it's really hard to empathize in that. Uh, moment but it's also hard to role play because like there's no reason that sean would be openly like antagonistic to this yeah because he doesn't have the context yeah but you as the player kind of do and are like you want to tell him like get your shit together right and like stop being a dick but <laughs> also at the same time like if you're trying to put yourself in sean's position you're like Hey man, I'm just trying to get back home. Right. Can you unlock the car door? <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of the tact that I took when I was uh, like negotiating in that scene is just being like, uh, "Yeah, man, it's tough all over. I better get back in there." Yeah, that's what we, we didn't did do too. our chores. That's what we did too. 
Because you're like, the whole, the way I felt playing that whole episode was like, we're in a very precarious situation. Like, we're the only, probably the only Mexican people in this town, and like, we're still in the same state. Are they in, what state are they? They were in Seattle and they go to... Beaver Creek... So they I think were, Washington. Were they in Oregon or were they still in Washington? They were, they were in Washington. Either way, they're in like the same general region. Like people surely have heard about this. They know well, that you're related to yeah. Claire and Steven. So like every choice we made was like, no, like we were like going to keep our heads as far down as possible. Like no friends, not, no know, attachments. We're not going to like get on the internet because we miss Facebook or whatever he says. Pretty like, much all of, all of our choices were... Avoid doing anything illegal at all costs. Like, we... Our choice, obviously, we had no fucking control over Daniel and what he did. But Sean did nothing illegal. Like, unless it was in reaction to what Daniel did. And he did nothing that would put, like, anyone else at risk. So, like, we didn't contact Lila at any point. Because we didn't want her to be culpable if the police got in contact with her. Yeah. We didn't wake finn up at the hospital we just like left him we didn't um mm. take anything from the store in episode one we didn't assault we didn't take anything the, from the guy either after we yeah after he was knocked out yeah so like that was like we were like let's lay low and it didn't really pay off that much nope. but nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all we the i think of those things the only thing that we strayed from is we uh, took stuff from the convenience store we took a tent to be fair the whole time to be fair to me and to incriminate andy as much as possible uh-huh. the whole time we were in the store andy was like you got to figure out how to steal stuff like <laughs> in a covert way and i was like man i don't know that woman's right there i'm not just gonna like pocket these choco crisps he's like dude just take everything i liked the idea of the challenge of stealing things from under her nose okay? I, I kind of really liked that like reflecting on it i liked that sequence of like you have a very small amount of like a pretty modest amount of money and yeah. even though i could i if like you asked me i probably would have predicted like the game is going to take a left turn in a way that like this isn't really that meaningful but in the moment, like, if you're trying to play it, like, okay, this is, like, if this happened to me in real life, it felt like really meaningful choices. Like, you can get some water and, like, some food or, like, pull like pull all your money and buy, like, the tent, but not buy any food or water. Like, I was really thinking at the time, like, like what are we going to need and, like, are we going to run out of food after a day? So I actually liked like the headspace that that scene got me in. It felt really authentic. We played the crane game. Of course, you well, wanted to, okay. Played... You wanted to play the crane games. That's we were, crazy. We're bad people that to... you're a psychopath. You have like we are bad people to play the no game together. Yeah. You played the crane game. <laughs> I mi- we missed all of that. I'm sorry. It, it yeah, was we... exactly what oh, you'd you expect are. for yeah. Daniel I, I ranting actually... at your immaturity. Yeah, yeah, I could actually read his lips there. And wow. I'm usually bad at that, so. Uh, yeah, no, I just, uh, well, because we, like, decided on some things to get, and we got, like, a really minimal amount of stuff. Our thought process, I think, well, other than steal everything, was <laughs> if we buy a couple of things, we can either A, steal stuff later, or B, <laughs> we'll have the money <laughs> later to, like, use at a different place where maybe it isn't four dollars for macaroni and cheese and uh, <laughs> those local markups yeah you gotta go to a and national then, chain 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, Daniel begged me to play the crane game, and I was like, I don't know. We still got like ten bucks. Like, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I mean, he begged us too, and we said no. What? Uh, what? You, did you win anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tried it four times, did not succeed. You, you want affection in the heart of your dearest brother. That's true. Probably not as much affection as if we would have won something. Yeah, but... he probably just resented us more. Yeah, because we didn't win him anything. Oh, did you guys have enough but money to buy? Uh... The, like, sorry, gotcha. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, continuing with the winning sequences from the first two episodes, the whole sequence in the in the convenience store where you have to like break out of the office i thought was actually good and in the spirit of the original game mm -hmm. where it was like putting you in the situation where you had to like examine the surroundings and figure out what to do yeah yeah like, like it reminds like me of like uh pushing the the big spool to like hit the thing to get chloe stuck unstuck from the train tracks and stuff like that yeah in the first one um, what I was going to ask is, did you guys have enough money to buy Claire and Steven a present at the, or Daniel Christmas presents at the Christmas market? Cause that was the only time yeah, we, we stole, we stole a yo-yo. Cause I was like, we had, we literally didn't have enough money to buy anything. We I bought, don't remember. We, yeah, we, we bought, bought one thing that was for Daniel. We didn't buy anything for Claire and Steven. Yeah. They got their own money. Yeah. <laughs> They're like... <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Their house is pretty extravagant for being next door to, like... A shack. Yeah. <laughs> where Chris lives. So, like, I think they're probably doing pretty well for their tax bracket. Uh, and we've got $11. <laughs> you should have given them... Uh, had the option to give them one of the many pine cones that Daniel had in his backpack. Did you guys check Daniel's backpack throughout? Because it always had, like... Mm -hmm only useless stupid shit in it yep hula toy pine cans <laughs> i forget what else he always had with him but yeah it was pretty weird all right let's talk about Choco, uh, Chris the, the episode three that you okay, hate so much because listen i want to i don't if you want to talk about hot takes okay. the entire time i'm like daniel one i said something's up with finn not that hot of a take my hot something's take up with Finn, something's up with Finn. <laughs> my prediction is i'm like this dude is way too close to daniel no late teen early 20s dude should be that close with like a 10 year old boy i'm like this motherfucker is gonna molest our brother and we're gonna have to murder him so now, to be fair wow. the game had just been <laughs> escalating darker and darker things up to that point so i totally it's thought true, it was yeah. capable of doing that <laughs> So when I found yeah. out later, after I was like, okay, what are all the possible options? Do 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 do. Let me Google that it was like Finn is a possible romance option. Mm -hmm. I was like, which seems unbelievable to me. Yeah, I I knew something was going to happen with him that would cause like a betrayal or some kind of drama. Obviously, I'm like, I thought he was trying to basically groom a ten year old. I'm not going to be making goo goo eyes at him. Yeah, there's like a, in the way that Life is Strange 1 made it seem to me that the heterosexual romance was like the furthest imaginable thing from something that someone could choose. Mm -hmm. This one goes even a step further in making the homosexual romance feel like a entire impossibility. Like where, at what point 
can you get even close enough to Finn that that makes any sense? Well, I read some, well, first of all, I read the process of doing, and then I also read someone's hot take, if you want to talk about hot takes, about how Finn is the canon romance. Okay. It was, listen, I'm just saying, if you want to read it, if just Google Finn romance and someone is like, listen, here is why. Number one. And like, I'm listing not sure all the that reasons. this is like a take as much as it is like a weird slash fic. That yeah. I'm not comfortable. Yeah. I, I really wanted to like episode three. Like, it seemed like it was going to have like a little bit more of like an open, relaxed format. Uh, you know, being in a hippie weed farm commune thing. Right. Uh, but I, I, I do fall in line with the group and thinking it was kind of weak, but although I was super into the idea of trying to get with Cassidy, no surprises Naturally. there. Um, so I, I had fun with that, you know, in the way you do with romance options in games, but, uh, uh like the, the, the climax of it was all right. I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about this one. The climax, I actually, my problem- I, I actually actively disliked not only cassie as a character but cassidy's romance option i felt this a part of the reason why i was so blindsided by the fact that finn was an option was because i felt like the cassidy option was so like forced like it it didn't feel like i had another option and the responses that de-escalated the situation felt unnatural like things that you wouldn't say to a person so it felt like it was just going to inevitably end up there with the ultimate choice being, do you go to the lake or don't you go to the lake being the only one that really made or break broke that relationship. Uh, I don't know. I, it didn't land with me. I didn't think Cassidy was cool. I didn't think most of these characters were cool. And I thought that their whole idea of a cool uh, <laughs> outdoor weed farm thing was kind of ruined by the fact that they were all pretty much at, like, Conscionably working with somebody who is like the worst kind of like bizarro capitalist warmongering <laughs> violent man, which made no sense to me in any way. Like the whole thing was just like a farce. It felt like they wanted him to be Gus from Breaking Bad. Yes. Even though that doesn't make any sense in this context. Also, yes. Yeah. I mean, just like economically. Does it really make sense to hire, like, ten people to work that operation? Like, it didn't look that big. I mean, admittedly, we don't see the full scope of it. And I'm also not a weed economist. But, like, (laughs) it seemed to me like they were probably fine with the, like, four or five people they had. But they kept bringing people in as favors. (laughs) But... It just seems he doesn't seem like the kind of person who does favors for people. He right. has an armed guard around <laughs> him at all times. Like the dude's obviously paranoid and like concerned about his like business operations and shit. But like I don't know, like the the whole system that they've set up doesn't make sense to me and I and none of the characters really made a whole lot of sense in their motivations either. Yeah, my so I didn't, I agree with all of that. I didn't like that the driving uh, plot point was like, Daniel doesn't want to be treated like a kid anymore, even though he still totally is a kid. 
and isn't responsible enough to make decisions for himself, but he is, like, going to lash out and do something wreck. Like, this happens in every story with a kid that's growing up. Like, it's it's such a common trope at this point that I think you need to do something pretty interesting to make it worthwhile, and this just did, like, a pretty by-the-numbers version of it. And I also didn't like that... It is frustrating in a game that is at least ostensibly predicated on putting importance on player choice to be able to see something really bad like coming down the road super obviously and not be (laughs) presented with at least what feels like choices that like respond to that threat like it's not metagaming to be like okay finn very clearly expressed the desire to rob this guy and like now knows about daniel's power and all we did was say like hey you better knock it off Finn." and then like (laughs) like don't there's no option to like go keep an eye on daniel to make sure he doesn't like get roped into doing this with finn like that's a totally normal response to that situation that isn't present um and if they wanted to still get to the end point that they that they got to i think they it could have pretty easily been written a little differently to still get there as it was it felt like all right like we know this is going to happen there's nothing we can do about it so let's just like wait for it to happen to us like i feel like the story was happening to the characters rather than us being actively involved in making meaningful it, choices which is what we're supposed to feel like it made the metagaming part of it to lean into the robbery because given no opportunity to cancel the robbery you then going forward with it with your whole heart is really the only way to make (laughs) it end well (laughs) which seems counterintuitive yeah how'd you guys like pruning weed i Uh, what during that whole (laughs) sequence i'm like man you know who's gonna hate this andy because all I could think of is when we had to find the, like, bottles. No, he loved that. That was his favorite part of the game. Oh, finding the bottles? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I, I liked that part. It was not my favorite part of the game. You have said in the, the past game. it was one of your favorite parts what, of the game. What, finding the bottles? Yes. Okay. That was the opposite. That no, was an exaggeration right. then. <laughs> but you did like it. I'm not misrepresenting. I did like that part, yeah. yeah. It was me who hated the bottles. Well, and you also hated cutting the weed. I liked cutting the weed more because... Uh, for really totally uninteresting reasons that I'm actually not even going to get into. <laughs> I liked the cutting the weed more. It was more satisfying because it was just like repetitive motion, which I find somewhat calming. <laughs> but um, um, I was just going to say, what Daniel is maybe peak insufferable, which that's just saying something in this episode. Right, oh, are they yeah, talking about me? In, on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. I did have this discussion with Daniel because, as someone with a more unique name, I anytime anyone is named Janelle in any media, anytime anyone says a word that's kind of like consonantly adjacent to Janelle, like my ears perk up. And so I was like, how does it feel to have like this entire thing like be about a character that has your name? And he's like, oh no, it really doesn't bother me at all. So I'm kind of astonished that this is the first time any of us have made that joke about Daniel. Yeah, I really did think you were talking about me. No. Mostly because you were going to say something negative. (laughs) (laughs) Also, genuinely, I feel like you get desensitized to it. My name doesn't come up a whole lot, necessarily, but 
uh, I do, for a long time, I did, like, turn my head whenever a child called for their dad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that got so old that I just have to, like, just ignore it. Yeah, Yeah, so it, it, it doesn't, it's not really a thing for me either. I will say the internet Chad meme is maybe the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I was, well, but when I was thinking of names, I was like, man, Chad is the least Chadliest Chad. Like, it's true. Yeah. Chads in media are always like douchebags. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I was just going to say, as someone who obviously didn't go through quite the same trauma that these brothers did, but did come from kind of like a complex family relationship, the idea of like acting up to the degree that Daniel does was like repellent to me. And I'm like, you don't get a pass because you're a kid. Like, calm the fuck down. Your brother is doing the best he can. Like, let's chill out. But then, of course, when they were like, went in to get their paychecks, and he's like, just stay here, Daniel. I already got warned that if you do anything else, we're gonna get in big, big trouble. I'm like, great, so we're just gonna fucking leave him out here so he can do something so we can get in big, big trouble. Like, You know what's coming. Yeah. And you end up resenting him because of it. Because you can't step in and be like, Daniel, cut the shit. And it's pretty unbelievable. Like, yes, he's a kid. But, like, that dude is clearly bad news. Like, even a kid gets that. And his business partner walks around with an assault rifle. (laughs) Like, I don't think as a kid I would be like, let me just dick around and, like, maybe, like, get caught trespassing in their house because I'm bored. A kid would want to be as far away from that kind of person as possible. Yeah. You'd be terrifying. Yeah. Um, how? What was your guys' ending to chapter three? Um, so we got in the house, confronted Finn and Daniel, and we're like, we fucking told you not to fucking do this. And Daniel's like, I'm grown. I can do what I want. Yeah, and like, blasts the door open. open. Um what's his name weed farm owner comes out with a gun and is like i knew you shitheads were gonna cause problems like pistol whips finn but then Um, we had daniel um use his power to like throw the gun across the room then he pulled a pistol out and we like wrestled with him for a while daniel got grazed (laughs) with a bullet and then uh like freaked out and blew up the room Everyone got injured, no one died. Yeah, nobody died. Um, that's exactly the same. Yeah, that's what we got as yep. well. Apparently, like, yeah, I guess Finn could have gotten shot. I think Cassidy could have gotten killed. Yeah, They both, both could have ended up dying. Finn can die. If Finn dies, Daniel still rages out and blows everything up, but I don't think Cassidy gets injured then. You can save both Cassidy and Finn, but they both end up getting hospitalized. I think that's how that goes. I know from uh, reading the the everyone else did this stats at yeah. the end of the chapter that like you could have snuck around the back of the building and like avoided a lot of the conflict. So I was wondering if you guys had done that. Uh, it didn't seem very. It seemed like a very hidden option. Yeah. No, we we didn't. Do you that. also could have somehow warned weed farm owner. W F O. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> don't know how yeah i think weed farm owner was like i knew you guys were going to cause trouble but this game just disregards the idea of meaningful choice and (laughs) i'm forced to be in this situation with this shotgun so how about everybody just calm down all right should we move on to episode four
I think so. I'm very curious to know how you guys got out of the hospital. Uh, God, I, I honestly tried so many different things to, like, egress in, like, a way that made any sense at all. And the only way that I could even begin to think we could leave was by the whole process of, like, propping the window open and climbing down the scaffolding barefoot like some fucking lunatic. That's how we left, too. That's the only way to leave without hurting anybody. Or, like... You actually have to hurt the guard that they make a point to say... It's, like, really cool. And, like, sleeps all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Or the nurse. Yeah, Yeah, you can either talk the nurse into it, putting his job at serious risk, or, like, trick him into it. Um, Or you can also knock him out. Which I'm like, I don't want to knock our nurse friend out. Shit. Yeah. Um. Then you steal but a yeah. car. Do you... Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. You... No option there. You, do you have to steal the car? I have to assume. Yeah. I, I, don't, so. think I don't think there's another way. Yeah. Which yeah, that's like the point where I feel like that's the point of no return. That was the Darth Bartley moment. Yeah. Uh, very old callback where I feel like he was like, I mean, we're technically innocent of everything up to this point. Like, no court can convict them in the situation where everything shakes out and, like, it is, like, the truth is told. I don't think the game thinks that. No, the game definitely does not think that. But uh, then he steals a car and just drives away and is like, I feel kind of bad about stealing this car. (laughs) It's like, well, uh. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this is really the point where you realize it's not just because like i thought at first maybe he was like oh shit you know there's no way the police will believe us because of who we are and the racial tensions right now and then i thought maybe it would come to a head of like if you guys had waited like things would have shaken out or like he would have gotten called by the police and they would have you know like it would have resolved better but this is kind of where you realize like oh the game thinks that there are a lot of legal precedents for things that aren't actually true. <laughs> yeah, can we talk about... This might be a, a good time to talk about the <laughs> JJ Reviews Justice Systems portion of the podcast. I'm going to get some water and recline. <laughs> so, like, I don't want to get too into the weeds here because it's not interesting, but, like, <laughs> just big picture, there are some pretty, like, important flaws in the way that the game thinks about like crimes and Uh i it's very confused like that i was knocked off my feet when the fbi agent said that he was being charged with like first degree murder because i don't like what evidence do they have for this i mean the like the the police officer is dead obviously but like nobody saw what happened Given that we know what happened, we know that none of the evidence at the crime scene is going to suggest, like, a way that he was killed that makes any sense. Like, Sean's fingerprints... trauma to the entire body. (laughs) Yeah, like, what what is Nova-ing. Of course they're going to be after the two of them because they were, like, at the scene of what happened. And they might even suspect that they did commit a crime. But, like they what prosecutor would like look at that and say like okay we're gonna charge sean with murder like they don't edgeworth they don't yeah maybe edgeworth (laughs) 
Yeah, Von Karma. <laughs> or, yeah, or Von Karma. But, but it, like, because even with the dash cam evidence, you see what you see is him shoot an unarmed man, and then an explosion. Yeah, like he gets blown out of frame, and the car gets blown up, and then the feed cuts out. Like they didn't. If, yeah, if anything, do the anything. camera supports the view that like that they didn't kill him because like what would they have done to cause the explosion? So it it's very confusing to me. And then later in the game. When they tell him that Daniel is too young to be charged, that's wrong and weird. Like, he would be tried as a minor, but there's no such thing as, like... Like, an eight-year-old isn't just too young to be charged with anything. Like, he would be tried in a juvenile court and, like, potentially be part of, like... He could he could be, like, in a essentially a juvenile prison, like a detainment facility for people... For minors who have committed serious offenses. Like, if they think he murdered... If they think he killed the police officer, they certainly would, like, put him through some kind of proceeding and try to get him into some kind of juvenile program or detention center. Like, I'm not an expert on that, but, like, I know that much. Um, Right. So, and, and that completely undercut all of Sean's actions. Like... If he's living in a world where Daniel is too young to get in trouble for anything, and he's just going to go live with the grandparents, like, what if, what is everything that we have done up to this point, point been for? Like, yeah, it, what are we it protecting seems, him from? Yeah, it, it seems like it's an, a misguided effort sort of from the beginning. And I, I don't think that it's by design, but, like, you expressed the same thing. Like, you felt like it seemed weird that they were doing what they were doing. Yeah. Like it, it feels like they're, it seems like the, yeah, the game thinks the circumstances are a lot more extreme than they are like to justify what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like they just keep committing, like they didn't do anything, but now they're committing a bunch more crimes <laughs> from being on the run and like actual crimes. Uh, it just, it doesn't, there's like a disconnect there. That's just weird. Yeah. This is maybe less a we reviewed the justice system of Life is Strange 2 and more a we reviewed the education system that goes into making people aware of what is well, and is I not mean, a crime. This is like a, what, a French developer. so That is true. Maybe uh, in France. <laughs> All true. of this is accurate. I mean, it's believable that they would run, for sure. Yes. And then, oh, like, yeah. okay, they, like, they've run and they feel like they have to keep going now because they've dug themselves into a hole like but, i i, but get I think that. once you're in the hospital you're with agent flores agent flores can be like why did you run we just wanted you for questioning we saw the explosion that happened like was right. there a gas leak but instead he's already been charged with murder like on the basis yeah. of he's going to nothing <laughs> like, like yeah like it it just doesn't make any sense that's not like the the way that that sequence would play out also she doesn't mirandize him when she questions him so like none of that <laughs> oh no like you have to re-mirandize a somebody who is being detained every time you question them or else like you run a pretty serious risk of anything they say not being admissible um which I feel like there's an earlier point where they make a like they do do the mirandizing so I thought it was weird that they omitted it um mm-hmm but, like, if you're a prosecutor trying that case, and we know that if in the ending where you surrender, and I don't know which one you guys picked, uh, Sean does go to prison for, like, 15 years. 
So, like, presumably, somehow he wins this trial, or, like, gets this conviction. But, like, if you're a prosecutor, you have to prove to the jury, beyond a reasonable doubt, that, like, that Sean killed this police officer. And, like, you have to present them with a narrative of how it happened. And, like, how does he, how do you do that consistent with what the evidence would show? Like, Sean pulled out a grenade and (laughs) it exploded but left nothing behind. Like, it's just, it was very frustrating to me. I wish the game had, like, done a little bit more to make it believable that Sean could, like, actually be charged with this. The prosecutor in the court was like, you must find the defendant guilty. And they were like, why? And he goes, because, like the defendant was at the time of the crime, I'm holding a thermal detonator! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, like, what it boils down to for me is, like, up till this point, like, after uh, the whole weed farm explosion fallout, Mm -hmm. uh, it felt like we that story could go in a direction where things would be okay for them but then once you hit this point like where he steals the car uh and you know like they they're all in on getting to the border like you know it's gonna have a sad ending yeah like it, it really feels like it switches gears from like a game where you have choice that will affect the outcome of the ending and being railroaded into a couple of bad endings <laughs> no this was by far like the even though we just talked about how little choice affected chapter three um in this one you had choices and it seems like very few of them mattered like do you talk to finn or not well i don't think that really mattered in the end did you get in the truck with the truck driver or not which by the way did you yes yeah yeah we did too yeah I, i was surprised when i saw that like most people did because I just assume, because everyone you meet in that game is either like a fucking <laughs> raving lunatic racist or a cool yeah. hippie, that this guy was going to be I, like the world's worst truck driver. Yeah. I feel like they did such a great job with the sunburn texture on his skin that like everyone just feels so bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I want to get him into that air conditioned truck <laughs> real bad. <laughs> I feel like just not enough people have seen. The 1974 classic, uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and know that you just don't... Hitchhiking, just as an institution, should be avoided at all costs. I thought you were going to say duel, and that Mm -hmm. uh, semi-truck should be avoided at all costs. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm not there with with my beliefs yet. Um, So you spend a lot of time, and I feel like we're going real, real long. Yeah. Uh, So we should probably get to... Because obviously you've done your due diligence vis-a-vis the legal system in (laughs) Life is Strange 2. But we should move to the actual town. We we actually did kind of talk about this, uh, but the the whole, like, religious cult thing, which I don't think parodies of religious cults have been, like, fully in vogue for, like, four or five years at this point. In vogue. (laughs) Yeah, it's it does exist uh, in this game, and I honestly thought that their portrayal was really effective, even if I didn't feel like it slotted very well into this game. It felt unexpected uh, in a way that I thought made it more like impactful. Like when you show up in the town and it's revealed that he's like 
occult Christ figure. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just, I don't know. I thought that was a cool reveal. I was just, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, since you guys said, mentioned that you like this episode, I've been trying to think a little bit about like, I want to have a take on it that's not just kind of lukewarm, but I do feel like, I, I don't disagree with you that like in a vacuum, it's kind of interesting. I really struggle with how little it adds to this story. I mean, Daniel was absent for basically all of it. Not that, like, that's nothing I'd normally complain about. But, like, (laughs) and it's the most literal version of, like, Daniel was at the center of the story for no good reason except that, like, he's special because we say he's special. Well. I I mean, he's also special because he has magic powers, but. He does have, that's, like, the whole... Like if this was an episode of a twi- of the Twilight Zone, which I feel like it could be, it could be, yeah. They would lead in with like this kid was born with weird telekinetic powers, and therefore, and then the whole like plot of this episode takes place. And they would probably cut out the boring sifting through the person's belongings <laughs> sequence, which sucked and, well, and just didn't feel like it needed to be there. One thing we liked was, and it was a little unexpected. Uh, Janelle like was talking about this before we even got to the point in the story was it, it was nice that their mom um, she felt like a like fairly authentic portrayal of a person and one who, with whom I sympathize because I like we like that her explanation well, for well, on, you can go ahead honestly I didn't I didn't think the game was gonna have the balls to write her the way that <laughs> they did I thought it was going to be a complete backtrack of I wish I had stayed. I wish I had been your mother. I was on drugs or I made this mistake. But the fact that she said, I did what my parents expected. I did what society expected. And I realized I wasn't happy. And I realized that some people shouldn't be mothers and raise children and be wives. And I was like, yeah, that's actually right. Like, I I fully expected that they would backtrack with her. And I think that her response was meaningful, because I do think, now that they're, like, kind of realized adults, that that reaction of, I can step in now and help, makes more sense for a character that didn't want to do the parts of motherhood that, um... You know, that she has said that she didn't want to. But that this kind of relationship is one that she can have and feels good and right to her. Um, I think, like I said, Karen was actually my favorite character. She had a real Sarah Connor uh, vibe to her as well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I actually agree with that a lot. I, I like what they did with her character and I liked her character. I felt... I, I don't know how this is going to resonate with you guys, being that you like the character. I think, like, obviously you put her at a higher level than, than I did in the end. But, like, I found it difficult to justify how often the game really pushed for forgiveness for Karen mm-hmm. in a way that I don't know that I felt like Sean would. Like, I... Not like a rational, normal human being, but Sean, the character in the game, has done basically nothing but badmouth his mom all the way up until... Uh, I mean, there there are moments in uh, Chapter 2 that you can have that argument and like say, well, maybe she did it because of you or whatever. But 
realistically, like, he feels like she left them out in the cold. And the game gives you the options of continue being absolutely distant from her or always edging toward forgiveness. There's no, like, middle ground where you're like, Um, this is like a new relationship, which I feel like is what it should be. I think... I I felt like we were able to kind of walk a middle ground. Yeah, I think... Well, I think I approached it from two perspectives here. One being from someone who is estranged from a parent, and one being as a woman who doesn't necessarily want a traditional family life. So I was able to empathize with Karen more personally as someone who's like, yeah, if I felt like I needed to have kids and then realized it sucked, I might take the same kind of route that she did. And also as someone who's always said that they would like a certain amount of explanation and responsibility and um, understanding from said parent for there to be a relationship, I felt like it hit the requirements from me as the player in Sean's position. Now, I think if you were metagaming it more so as Sean, who's like, fuck you, mom, like, you fucking left us the whole way through, I think that's fine, because I don't think the game necessarily gives you those, again, it's a show-don't-tell kind of a thing. I was putting my own feelings into the game that the game didn't necessarily supply for Sean. Um, but I think we did walk the middle line. We, we were, we, we let her talk in episode four, but we didn't let her, like, clean our wound. We were like, nah, I got it, Karen. We consistently called her Karen. Yeah. Except for the very end where we gave her a hug. We left her, like, a lukewarm note. Yeah, the game called it lukewarm. (laughs) I thought it was nice, but... But, but again, I think you think it was nice because it walks that line of... Yeah. Of where their relationship stands, of... I understand, I don't agree with what you did necessarily, but I understand because of your explanation that you needed your freedom and you had signed up for a life that you later realized wasn't for you. And I appreciate what you've done for us now and I wish you well. And I think that, for me, felt right. And I think that's why she's a complex character and I think the relationship is complex. And again, maybe I'm reading more into it from my background. And the fact that it kind of gives you that binary option of fairly warm to mad and, and cold um, without there being a more distinct middle ground is, is kind of a failing there. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to know what happened with you guys in the church showdown. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, I really did. I I felt like when we saw the end screen for this one, I felt like we did really well in the church showdown. And I was surprised, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, we got Daniel and we left with uh, Karen. Did you kill Elizabeth? But like, did the church... Did the church burn down? No, both. Well, yes, the church. The church burned burn down. down. We walked away from an, a fiery church, but like both a badass. Elizabeth and that other person who was there. Yeah, they both lived. They both. Yeah, everyone lived. And okay, that's no basically the outcome we got. Yeah, then. yeah. If you look at like the, I think... the breakdown, a lot of people, like Daniel, can like uh. murder Elizabeth, and like all <laughs> kinds of crazy shit can go yeah, down. Yeah, I think we were. 
as soon as we hit the house, we were like, this is the Kate moment for this game. Mm-hmm. We have to memorize all this stuff. Like, we were ready for it. <laughs> yeah. I think there was, like, one thing that I will argue is was poorly telegraphed by the text prompts. Uh, but honestly, I'm kind of blanking on what it even I don't remember. But there was one thing that I was like, this obviously is a thing that you would say. And he was like, uh, blah, blah, blah. But you like <laughs> grapes, right? And I was like, what? That isn't at all. But it, it seemed like he was going to say. Uh, yeah. So there was like one stumbling block. But for the most part, I think we kind of. What like, do you think about the showdown in the church as like an emotional inflection point in the way that it was intended to be for me it was not especially successful i thought that it was strained a little bit and maybe too contrived like the him just getting hit in the face and then saying something about how he's never going to give up and then getting hit in the face again i that felt like it almost verged on comedy which was not at all what it was supposed to do um (laughs) And it just didn't, it wasn't very effective for me. I was wondering what you guys thought about it. Yeah, I feel like I enjoyed Chapter 4 pretty much entirely in a gameplay sense. Like, story-wise, it didn't really, like, deepen my connection to the characters at all. It didn't really do much for the story. I just, like, enjoyed finding all the pieces and then being able to use them to get out of the situation in like the the good way yeah. air quotes it was kind of how i engaged with it which is you know not really what you want in this kind of a game but that was my experience i agree with that honestly like like i said i feel like conceptually it works and i think that it would make a good twilight zen episode but i don't think that it slots particularly well into this game other than obviously the centerpiece having to be daniel having telekinetic powers so i don't know and also the little girl who was like obviously dying oh yeah really ham-fisted and felt like they they just wanted to make sure that at no point you went in and went like maybe they're doing a good thing well did you (laughs) i felt like there might be some hypocrisy in that because did uh what was her name joanne or joan joan Joan. Or no, it's, jo- the, it's Joanne spelled Joan. It's very confusing. In the in the next episode, w- was she coded to you guys as having either cancer or some kind of serious illness? Yeah. Like, yes. yes. Because, kind like, of illness. on the one hand, the game really goes out of its way to tell you, like, look at these idiot religious fanatics not believing in science and medicine. And yet, like, she's part of the uh-huh. cool chill community that also lives off the grid without access to modern medicine. And she is like, Oh, I'm just serving. Like I just keep miraculously living every day. Like I, I really found that kind of objectionable. Like if they really went out of their way to make that point, but then when it was a character who like otherwise was somebody that we were supposed to like and whose lifestyle we were supposed to approve of, then it's okay to like not believe in science. Yeah. I mean, I do agree with that. I, I don't think that like, I don't think the game puts enough pressure on the off the grid society, like as a concept, like the game just sort of like says that it is good despite, or at least it's sustainable. It implies it. Yeah. yeah. 
in a way that like doesn't interrogate yeah. it at all like at no point do they feel like like even the people who live in fucking where is it escape away. heaven what's away. the name of their t- what is it away i like escape, escape, escape heaven <laughs> escape heaven which is my favorite uh i don't know album yeah uh by the wolf brothers escape heaven uh, by the, the wolf people who brothers. live there s- still go to town to get all of their goods yeah. and shit so like we'll have like a guy really that makes bread <laughs> sorry i was trying to listen well to yeah it's because they live in the land. fucking desert <laughs> yeah it just it all seems so misguided and weird yeah no i to totally me. agree with that and they like at one point Someone says, like, oh, every time we go to town, it's so horrible because we have to be around all their bullshit. <laughs> it's like, well, then why do you go there to get, like, craft mac and cheese and shit? Like, it just feels like there is so little, you're, you're right, there is so little interrogation of, like, what their community is even trying to do and, like, what the upsides and downsides would be. And instead, it's just, like, we live outside of society and that is good and there are no real drawbacks to it. The person who says that is David, mm-hmm. right. whose presence I feel we need to at least brush on before we talk about the uh, yeah. crossing the border. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, we've already moved from chapter four to five, and I'm forbidding us to return uh, <laughs> because we've gone for quite some time. Uh, but yeah, we do need to address the fact that David is just there. I liked his inclusion a lot more than the masturbatory, uh, like, glamour shot of Arcadia Bay in the Read first it, episode. Uh, I I don't know. I, I, I kind of landed for me, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, it did feel a little forced to put him in there, but, like, what they did with him I thought was actually, like, Which effective. Which world state did you load in with for Arcadia Bay? Uh, we sacrificed we Chloe. Too. Yeah. Like what we actually did, yeah. We wanted to be truthful to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't as wild about David's cameo. I mean, I didn't hate it, but at the time it just felt like... I think wild is potentially overselling uh, Andy's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he appreciated it. I don't know if he would say he's wild about it. I've got my David yeah. t-shirt. I, I guess uh, it was yeah. fine. I, I Like, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I don't all... really have anything to add to that. I, it was fine. I, it, I... Of, all the, of all the characters... um. At least he's not as much of a tool bag, so like that's good. Of all, I mean, of all the characters that could could have a little of redemption as a treat, I think David is a. Yeah, he got like a little. Is a good one. It was just, just a, yeah, he got a little bit of closure. But I don't really like. I guess the thing I don't like about it is, I, I would have been. It would have been more satisfying for me if that character had like a future where he retained like the core part of his personality and just like grew a little bit in a way that he didn't like suck as bad. And it, which is kind of what happened in the actual first game. It, depending on how you play it. Yeah. Like, I think you can still be a little like stodgy and like, not like not politically, but like more in the normal sense of conservative in the way he is. And, like, grow to be a better person. And that's more interesting than, like, oh, like, the way the, like, stuck-up conservative guy redeemed himself in the broader narrative is he became, like, a cool hippie. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying, there's so many fucking cool hippies in this game. Like, we don't need one more. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, now, I don't know. I, I also appreciate his inclusion. I like the fact that you can listen in on his phone call uh, with Chloe's mom and sort of, like, get an idea of where he's at and shit. Uh, it does, it, it puts another D on the end of sad as, like, you see that he's kind of, like, he's still broken about the whole thing. And, like, obviously they didn't, like, reconcile Yeah, he doesn't anyway. seem happy to be there, but doesn't feel like he can go back either. Right. It, it, it does seem like more sadness for well, sadness's sake. the other yeah. way, which is if you preloaded the Max and Chloe leave Arcadia Bay together, Arcadia Bay is sacrificed, is probably even sadder um, because Joyce is dead and he holds a lot of bitterness oh, yeah, initially yeah. against How is he Max not dead? and Chloe for leaving. Oh, like, yeah, he got, he got yeah, like, he knocked in, out, like, didn't the he? the dark room. But he gets up again. You ain't never gonna keep him down. Um, weird. Uh, I almost kind of want to play it again with that world state to see if anyone acknowledges the two fucking moons thing. Because <laughs> well, if you if you do it, if you if you reset and sacrifice Chloe, it never happened. Yeah. But in the other version, it totally would have. And I want to know if the I game. Don't, I mean, Arcadia it. Bay. Oh no, Arcadia Bay would still be there because it's Halloween ish when you pass through there. I was wondering if it would have been wiped out by then. I don't know. Not sure. Yeah, I think this takes place like a couple years after the oh, first yeah. game. So, our, it? I mean, you might. Yeah, so it, it would, it would just be like gone. You might like it better because there would be no masturbatory shot of Arcadia Bay in episode one. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> it would be a masturbatory shot of a crater in the ground. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. So let's. Much like I wanted to do while playing the game, I currently want to leave away and go <laughs> move on with my life and times. Uh, so we end up at the border. At the essentially, yeah. There's really not a whole lot of uh, build up to it. You get in the car and they're like, "Oop, okay, yeah. you're here." Which I mean, I guess you're not that far away, but they don't do a whole lot. There's like one conversation in the car, and then you end up there. This is also something that we've kind of already talked about, uh, but presumably, is it avoidable to have Daniel use his powers to tear open a hole in the wall? I th think there's an ending where they both no, get no, across no. the border. No, no, no. You mean before they get arrested. Yeah. I don't think there is, Chad. I, I think he does. Oh, you know, I, I, okay. There's no like choices associated with that. So... Yeah, that's forced to happen, which strengthens my prediction that this was the impetus behind the entire design of this game. <laughs> but yeah, then I don't know, because this is the, the scene that happens after that, weirdly, I think is the most impactful one for the plot of the game that happens in episode five, which is where you get captured and taken in and interrogated. And during the, like, interrogation, you kind of, like, the guy actually does present you with the things that you're being charged with, which is where it becomes, like, real, in a sense. Uh, and we're ignoring all of the problems that the things that you're being charged with not making any sense. But, like, having you kind of, like, staring down the barrel of a gun here, and also them giving you the option to try and break the handcuffs, but, like, you can't do it is also a nice touch. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just kind of stuck there. Uh, this is probably my favorite part, the last good part of the game for me. I don't know if people agree. 
There was nothing about the last episode that I was <laughs> particularly enjoyed. I was ready for it to be <laughs> over, honestly. Sadly. I, I was so yeah. turned off by the, like, cartoon racist militia people that I, it really took yeah. me out. Um, and so did, like, the... I mean, they just treat the player like they're completely brain dead. Like, because they have Daniel ask all about why you would build a border wall. And then even ask if there's one mm. on the Canadian border. Like, we get it. Like, if you have, like, a half a brain cell, <laughs> you understand what the game is trying to say. It They don't... I it It's always a hard turnoff for me when something, like, has a message that is easy to deduce from the context of what it is showing you, but still thinks that you are too dumb and need to be told explicitly about it. Um, and I, that was, it really like took and me out of it. And after you've gotten through five episodes of the game already, like you've put in right. 12 hours at this point. And if they still think that you haven't picked up on it, it seems a little harsh. Mm-hmm. That being said, the unhappy Mexican couple in the uh, jail cell have, like, an actually more realistic take on, like, uh, institutional racism and immigration laws than your meat grinder family play as. <laughs> Although, unfortunately, they, so they mostly that. serve as yet another vehicle to, like, tell us what the game thinks about, like, certain politics or like social well and more so more so than that it's very very clear at this point in the game that it's like why don't you surrender you should surrender it's the smartest thing for you and for daniel you'll be out of jail soon you don't want to cross that border there's no opportunity for you there daniel doesn't speak the language there's no job opportunity there's violence on the streets it's like okay okay i know that this is what you i know this is what you want me to do i get i get it you really just decided in, like, half of episode four and all of episode five to, like, let me know this is what I should be doing. And now that we know what it is that we should be doing, what did we do? Uh, we we uh, yeah, went across the border and uh, <laughs> Daniel bailed out of the car. It was great. And we live with Cassidy on the beach in, in Mexico. In direct contradiction to what the game told you to do. No, honestly, th- <laughs> we were like... We also we, did the same. No, we we sat we sat there with the controller in hand and just kind of like, eh, eh. I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, honestly, I don't care. And I'm like, that's sad, because at that point, at the end of Life is Strange, is. Point, oh yeah, it was like, like oh fuck, like oh no, like what oh oh god, what do we do? And we're like, eh. so basically, the decision came down to me saying they want us to surrender so bad, and at this point, I'm so done with this game and like the things that it keeps trying very very hard to tell me that i'm just going to pretend like i didn't see it i i can't read all of a sudden let's go through the fucking wall yeah i felt pretty strongly about like daniel needs to go to jail because he's gotten through all of this (laughs) scot-free and he needs to pay for it and Sean, I want Sean, who lost a fucking eye for his snob brother, to get away. 
And that's what we went for. And Sean got away to Mexico with Cassidy and lived happily ever after. And Daniel is okay, under house arrest. We need to talk about this. This exactly the this way is it the should be. This is the final legal thing that really made me go, "What the fuck is happening yeah. in this fiction?" Is Daniel under house arrest? And if so, what? What? <laughs> like the game tells us he's too young to be charged. So why does it show us uh-huh. with hi- show us him wearing an ankle bracelet? bracelet? later like it during the final sequence because by their logic he could not have been charged with anything so that means either a he did some more criminal shit which is strange strange especially because they pan over like school bus saved in miracle like clearly he's like being a cool dude Uh Mm. or the game is trying to convince us and i saw this theory online that he's being monitored so he doesn't go visit Sean, which is not how immigration mm. law works because he's an American works. citizen. <laughs> like, yeah, they can't monitor you just because you're Did... related to somebody who is a criminal in another country. <laughs> I was thinking like, maybe he confessed to like killing the cop at, at the beginning. Yeah, but he's shown in pictures like with a car and like he's visiting his mom in Arizona. Yeah, so, uh, the timeline makes no sense. And he, he's visiting his mom... Within, at at most, six years after the events of the story. But we're told that she was arrested and confessed to burning down the church with two people inside of it. Like, <laughs> what? why is she free and, like, visiting him with him in Arizona? Though, to be fair, she might have confessed to lighting the buildings on fire where people weren't in it. The fire in the church was accidental because the candles knocked over. She just lit the outbuildings on fire as a distraction. That's true. So it might have been a lesser What we're charge. told in the story is that she confessed to burning down the church, but it's possible, yeah. Either way. Arson is still a pretty serious charge, and you're probably not going to be free to, like, hang out with your son in a couple years. Yeah. I just, I don't, why is he... Who is also under house arrest and <laughs> <by> murder. <laughs> I found that to be truly baffling. Like, yeah, totally baffling. I don't understand what the canonical result is there. Me neither. Yeah, we watched the other ending, um, and I didn't like it very much. No, either. yeah, Sean. I just feel so bad for Sean. He yeah. really got the raw end of the deal. He does get a sweet prison beard, though. That's true. That matches his eye patch very nicely. But uh, no, yeah, that ending, I would have been pissed if we got that ending, yeah. if we would have turned ourselves in and see broken Sean when he gets out of prison, like crying. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I will say I did like the scene at the end of Sean driving away and Daniel like does the wolf howl and, oh, yeah. and Sean doesn't return it because that's what Daniel <laughs> fucking deserves. Yep. Lone wolf. No, no more wolf pack for him. No. Uh, Did you guys find the uh, the no, that wolf is... brothers story to be really obnoxious uh, at the start of every episode? I really kind of grew to hate it by the end. It gave me time to like go to the bathroom and like, get a snack, <laughs> uh, which I appreciated. I, I, I thought it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a recap, it makes a lot more sense if you're playing this yeah. as, it yeah. were, as it comes out. Because they're That's like true. literally months between them, and you don't want yeah. to like replay them. It, it does slot into too. his character nicely that he'd be like making a comic book out yeah. of what they're doing. So, like, I, I thought it was. It does I was also cool show that yeah. Daniel is a moron because when he gets the opportunity to say, to like continue the Wolf Brothers story, he reveals that he somehow doesn't understand that it's a metaphor for their own lives. 
and is just like, oh, and they kill some yep. goblins, and then they make friends with a unicorn. <laughs> well, uh, do we have strange thoughts? Stra- yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, I will go first and keep it very short. I somehow this hasn't been said yet. Actually, like this game was gorgeous, like visually, like I. It looked great, and the in the forest, yeah. I was like blown away with how beautiful it was. Yeah, I had a couple notes on it, but it didn't really seem to fit in with the discussion we were having. But like, I like the subtle. Well, they feel subtle. I think if you put it a side by side, it'd be more drastic. But the improvements they made to the visual style from the first game, like the character models, are a lot mm-hmm. less uncanny, and they all move more naturally. Like it, it is a nice visual upgrade. I do like the style a whole lot. But yeah, they so like there are things that I think are are well done about this. It is not a like poorly made game. I really like this, like creative team and i think they took like a big swing on this one and it just didn't really work for me on a lot of different levels so um i would be interested to like to check out what they do next but this just didn't really do it for me yeah i mean i guess in a high anxiety sort of time in most of our lives it um even i mean we started playing this before our most recent uh Anxiety-inducing world panic, but... Just keep it general so that it's still topical yeah, uh-huh. a, right. a week from now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it... We're taking the lessons that the Life is Strange yeah. game did not take. Yeah, I mean, it just it just kind of compounded a lot of feelings of, of, of anxiety and despair and kind of impotence. Um, because you as a character are kind of helpless not only to the things that are happening around you and to your family and in your country, but also, you know, your brother is this kind of also wild, uncontrollable force. And, you know, I guess it works from a metaphorical perspective. I think thematically there were a lot of things that I understood, I got. Um, it just didn't necessarily work. It wasn't as subtle or as finessed as I would have liked and it wasn't a joy to play in the way that I have kind of become accustomed to with the Life is Strange franchise and um yeah I didn't enjoy it as much as I had hoped unfortunately yeah I echo a lot of those uh those feelings um we compared the two games a lot um and you know, the first one being, like, one of my favorite games. Like, I don't want to give off the impression that, like, I hate this one because it's different. Uh, I appreciate that they made a lot of effort to do things differently. It just, I think a lot of the things that they changed, they replaced with things that were weaker or didn't work as well. And it just didn't, um, like, cohere as nicely as the first one. It didn't feel, like, as inspired. Um so yeah i think this game is good on its own merit but it's just not i didn't click with it like i did with the first one so it it felt a little disappointing uh i'm gonna i i mean i echo all of these things obviously i think this game has it has its strong suits uh in the i think the writing which we didn't actually really talk about is actually sort of 
like the actual character writing is a little bit better than I than it was in the first game as far as like not making it sound like you know adults writing 16 year olds which was the problem that we had with the first one uh everyone acted more believably and that's kind of the way that i want to frame the positives in this because the big picture stuff in this game just doesn't work as well uh and we've it's we've gone over it a nauseating amount of times at this point but most of the characters feel very one-dimensional they're very cartoony and the overall message seems too lofty for them to actually like really like conquer in this form like it just doesn't quite land the way that it should so the positive aspects of this game really are on the on the moment to moment on the less metaphorical side of things and i don't think that the game quite meets its expectations uh i don't know wasn't a giant fan don't necessarily disrecommend it Mm -hmm. but it isn't like there's a lot out there that is better than this at the same thing that this is trying to do Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. And next time, we're going to be trying something a little bit different. Uh, Chad's going to be uh, sitting on the We've bench. We've got a lot of requests and, to replace uh, Chad. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but don't worry. He'll be back. Uh, but we, uh, Daniel, Janelle will be back along with Steven, who was on the Rascal episode for any uh, longtime fans. Uh, when the four of us are going to be talking about Divinity Original Sin 2, which is a CRPG, as they're called, uh, in the style of like Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter Nights. I'm glad that you did this because I would have called it Divinity 2 Original Sin, which yeah. is what I always Yo, thought Yo, same it was. though, and I nope. actually played the game. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so look forward to that. I'm gonna be. I think I'm gonna call it faux clip because you're not gonna be on there, and we'll I think I'm clever. That. I'm still going to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to insist on it incrementing the episode number because we're so fucking close to. to yeah, I think it should count. As oh, it'll be more than just yeah. a regular uh, episode. It's at least an episode and a half. It'll be. It'll be even better. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact inf- information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. Uh, there you can find links to our YouTube, our Twitter, our Discord, all of our old episodes, including as far back as Life is Strange 1, uh, which came out nearly four years ago, or nearly five years ago. Shit. Time flies. Yeah, long ass time. Uh, What do you guys want to do about the subscribe button? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Something about exploding it. Yeah, use your powers to smash. Tell your little button. brother. Yeah, it's or too easy though. About the risks of recklessly <laughs> smashing that like button. <laughs> Don't let that like button smash Chris instead. (laughs) Uh, And scene. (laughs) All right.
Yeah. We just cut out all of what Daniel said.